Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Weren't the band just awesome? I mean, I just love not being on the band and being able to enjoy it. I mean, that sounds terrible, but it's a really good thing. (laughs) But yeah, it's a total honor to see you guys and to be able to speak to you guys tonight, um, wherever you've come from. I just want to let you know, and if it hasn't been said enough already, you're at home. You have found the place to be tonight, and you are in the right place. And we are continuing our Big Word series. Who has been a part of this for some weeks now? Anyone? Yeah, and um, the, the series is really the heart behind it is to get to grips with the words that I guess if we grew up in church or are new to reading the Bible, they kind of seem like you don't fully understand as you just skip over to the part where, you know, you come to God's promises and they feel, make you feel good. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things. Or, um, but these words are really, they're important to our faith. They're important to us because the, the very words, the very lifeblood, if you want to call it, about how we actually do our life, how we live by faith. And it's important. We can travel. You can go on a journey without actually knowing what's in your bag, right? But when you have, sometimes you have to open up to actually see if you're equipped for the journey. So when things happen, you know that you've got the things and the stuff to actually deal with what you're going to face, what you've got to provide for. So my word tonight is, it's not a big word, um, but I felt it kind of falls on what from what Kevin was saying this morning, talking about the will of God. And the will of God is one of those mystical things. It's like the will of God. And we kind of separate it in the sovereignty of God. And we kind of separate ourselves from actually what, what the word is actually saying. And basically to put into bite-sized sort of tweet-worthy way of the will of God, I would say is God's will is for us to actively choose, actively pursue his will to be done in our lives. And how do we discern that? By renewing our minds, renewing our hearts so that we can discern what his good and perfect will is. Yeah. And this, this afternoon, this evening, when getting my times, <laughs> is uh, a word that's not so big, but it's, I would say it's hard to mention any other word in this series without mentioning this one. It's, it's, you'd really have to struggle. You have to be a proper wordsmith. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I'll start by a story. This, this guy, if uh, some of you guys have um, heard of a theologian and um, uh, um, professor called um, C.S. Lewis. Now he's in a, he's in a uh, university and he's walking into this room and there's a bunch of other professors they're looking at a, a, like a blackboard and, and they've they're basically got all these world religions on here and Christianity slapped in there and they're, they're trying to work out the difference between them and then he walks in and he's just like oh what's a ruckus? You can tell how old this is because nobody uses ruckus anymore. <laughs> but he's like oh so what's, what's, what's all this about? So they were saying how is Christianity different from all these world religions? How does it differ? And so and he just comes up with his classic one-liners. You follow him on Twitter. And, he's, uh, <laughs> and, and he just says, oh, that's easy. And he just sort of paused there. And I'm like, oh, come on, tell us, tell us, tell us. What is it, what is it? And he's just like, it's grace. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then they began to look at it, and then they discovered that only God only the God of the universe, the God of the Bible, offers something that we don't have to p- 
pre-qualify for to actually get into it. Only God, only the God that we serve, only the God that I'm speaking about tonight gives us that presence, that, that relationship with him for free. And I love that about the grace of God. I love that I don't have to do anything. I don't have to pre-qualify. I don't have to pass a test. It's, it's free. And what is important about the grace of God is that what comes along with it is basically this. If you want to, the basic well, blanket statement of the grace of God in the Bible, it's a free, unmerited favor of God. Yeah. Say that with me. Free, free. unmerited favor of God. Now, favor of God kind of sounds cool, but I'll quickly describe what it is, kind of like a working definition for you. It is basically the guarantee of his presence, the provision of his power to accomplish his purpose in our life. So, so that is, that all comes for free. We don't have to try and work and read a book to find it out per se, but we get to live this out for free. And I was in, I was in Nando's yesterday. <laughs> And yeah, and I, w- I was just going to uh, have some lunch. Heidi was away, so no one to cook anything. So I went to Nando's. Uh, <laughs> did I say that? Cut that out. Cut that out. Cut that. Um, <laughs> so there's nobody to cook anything. So I was going to go to Starbucks, but first I was going to get a Nando's. And and they took ages, right? They, I don't know what it was. They, they were cooking it while I was there. It was like half an hour. Well, I'm glad they cooked it, but um, I'm just <laughs> this was a half an hour wait. And and then so then to apologise, they gave me these. Free Nando's, and I don't know if any guys in the room can agree with me. Guys in their twenties, free and Nando's together—that's that's good. So then, so then I, I looked at the cards, and I flipped it over, and it's free chicken wings, not Nando's, but chicken wings, and only valid from Sunday to Thursday. So if I were to turn around back in the queue to get a refill of Nando's, I could not get this free Nando's. See, this is where the love of God differs because. It's not conditional. There's no Sunday to Thursday or Monday to Friday. This is good for all times, in all circumstances, in all ways. So I want to say this over your lives tonight, that this grace I'm talking to you about tonight isn't just like a kick it under the rug, you know, like you'll be free from all your troubles. No, this, this grace is empowerment in all times, and it's sufficient at all things that we ever have to accomplish in our lives. It covers everything. It covers the things we struggle, th- struggle with. It covers the things we're good at. It covers absolutely all things. It's good for us tonight. It's free and available for you. It's free and available for you. Speaking of which, speaking of grace, I, um, I got married last year. Yeah, I know, right? But I wasn't the only one. There was like six or so other couples that did it. I think it was something in the water. I mean, they just, they just walked around the beach and they, oh, there's a diamond. I'll give it to my girlfriend and see what happens. <laughs> okay, okay, just, just to clarify, it's, I'm speaking hyperbole. There's, to my knowledge, there's not actually that stuff on the beach, so just be careful. <laughs> on your hands and knees looking for stuff. But, um, but I, um, I was at a stag do. Um, Daniel and Hattie got married and uh, they recently moved to Brighton and one of the things that they did this weekend was a few things. Um, I will remember this one because uh, this left a lasting mark on me. Um, we played fire football. Joe was there. And, uh, and Dave Mitchell, um, Hattie's brother, kicked the flaming football at my chest. I lost a jacket. But luckily, I didn't lose eyebrows or anything. So that's the grace of God right there. It was just low enough to destroy a jacket and not my face. But, 
There's one thing we did, was, and it was called canyoning. Has anyone ever heard of canyoning? Yeah. Canyoning. So this is, I hadn't heard of it before, but this is pretty cool. So basically, you put on wetsuit, helmet, and all this stuff, and you jump off high ledges, call them cliffs, but high ledges, into water. Hopefully into water. And, and then this, this is something that I thought was pretty cool, but it was something I'd never done before. And I thought, oh, yeah, jump into water, what harm can it do? It'll be fine. And uh, Daniel went up, and he was basically told by the guy, um, you're jumping in this direction, you have to take a big step and then fall through. And he's like, one, two, three, go! And he did it, and I was like, okay, this seems easy enough. And it came to my turn. So I'm just walking up, and I had to be totally fine. He's like, okay, on my count, one, two, three, jump! And I was just like... <laughs> and I hesitated. And he's like, okay, step back, step back. And I was so confused. I was like, I didn't think I was going to not jump. It's something so simple. I just, just jump. But I couldn't jump. And then two things went through my mind. The first was, ah, I just couldn't understand what it was in me that I couldn't actually bring myself to jump off the ledge. And the second was, I'm going to be that guy from the rest of the day. I'm that guy. Ah that guy so this guy did not jump so it, so from then I was babied through every single jump that I had to do and and it was the worst and then the last one this is I think this is really separated well the stupid from the brave well I think yeah I think it would be then but there's a the last one um, I think Joe had this in his this GoPro strapped to his head so you can see all this basically it was a jump where you had to do a running start to get into it and then you're basically right in the water sort of thing. So it was like maybe a 30-foot drop, but you could not see the land. You could not see where to land. You could not see it at all. So the instructor just runs out. It's like, woo! And then leaves us there like, who's going first? <laughs> um, and I'm like, you know, I'm getting married in a few months. I'm not going to do this. And then there's like guys who have been married for a few years, and they're like, going for it. But, but, um, but, but here's the thing. <laughs> But this jump, it was, about, it was about understanding that even if they didn't see, even if they didn't see where to go, even if they didn't see the landing point, there still was a landing point. But the guys, there was about half of us there, Joe included. Sorry, I'll drop you in here. <laughs> so I'm not on my own here. But, um, but there was a point where this choice separated us from the people that did take the jump did experience what it was to land, it was to sort of jump into the unknown, well, literally the unknown, because nobody did it before. So, so that point between the unknown and then us sitting there on the ledge waiting for them to get back and tell us about it. <laughs> See, there's th- something about an adventure, there's things about the life we live that's about the jump. You know, Neil in the front row, he's done um, bungee, he's done bungee jumping, and that's... Um, and I saw a picture of that, and he was just like there, and there's like a point of, I really hope this rope holds. <laughs> but, um, but there's a point of, there's points of life where we really have to trust in the jump. Now, uh, the gravity, the, the, the grace of God tonight is, it's if I can use this vernacular, is the gravity of this life, of an adventure with God. It takes over and we let go. So we're at the edge of our decisions, we're at the edge of our lives, and you're kind of hesitating and then you just go and grace takes over when we let go. Grace takes over when we decide that we can't figure out our own paths all the time. We can't figure out where we want to go all the time. So we let God give us the the energy and the power 
to actually make a decision we can't see fully on the other side. Now, does that mean you can just jump off any cliff and then grace will take care of you, you know, he'll help hold you by his right hand? You know, does, is that, I mean, I could not, I could not, eat, I could not say that here. I could not say that that's the right, always the right way to go. But um, I want to illustrate with this. See, um, in, if you guys have heard of a TV series called Band of Brothers. Now, this is about, a, like a, um, it's like a company and they're, and they're basically an airborne, airborne regiment. And in their first day, in the first episode, they're being taught how to jump out of this airplane and um, then land safely and all this. And they're given the lowdown of all their gear, all their sort of things they have to do. And, and the instructor says this to them. He says, remember what you were taught. And I can assure you, gravity will take care of the rest. Remember what you're taught. And I assure you, gravity will take care of the rest. You see, there's an instruction. The Bible says that a way, the way that... Um, the way that is before a man seems right in his own eyes. But that's himself teaching himself. But it's not subject to a greater authority. What we're saying is, in this house, we are subject to God's authority, God's teaching, God's leading, so then when we listen to what he says and jump, he's going to give us the grace to see it through. He's never going to command you to do anything. He's not going to help you get through. He's never going to say anything in and over your life that's impossible for you without his leading. It says in um, Romans 6, verse 1 to 2, it says, what, then, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. Because if you have died to sin, why would you live any longer in it? <laughs> My workmate, um, I don't think, he might listen to this, but I'll tell him anyway. <laughs> but the other, other week, he, um, they managed to break the, the workshop camera. I don't know how they just break stuff. So we got a new one, and he thought it would be a good idea to try and take like the LED screen and use it for something else, you know, the bit that displays the pictures. So he tried to take it for something else. But what he didn't realize is that it still held a charge. So, <laughs> so, so he, he's pulling it out, and then he goes, he's like, ah, yeah, um, four-letter word, I'm not going to say here. Um, and, and so he's like, oh, it still held a charge. It's really, really sore. And then he's... Still playing it for with a for a while, and then it shocks him again. He properly like launches it, and then to the point like I literally almost fall off my chair just watching this. To the point where the manager walks in, like, "Hey, could you get back to work?" Sort of thing. But here's the thing: the thing about sin, right, is it wounds. It's a good idea at the time. It may seem even fun, may seem even practical, may maybe seem logical, but it wounds. It hurts us. So what what Apostle Paul is saying here is. It's wounded you before. Why would you put yourself in that way again? It's, it's simply it. It's not saying that because you sin, you can't be right with God. He's saying, no, idiot, if you've done something wrong, why would you do that again? Because it's going to hurt you. It's going to come back to hurt you. So Apostle Paul is really just trying to walk them through this process. And he describes that in the verses. I'm going to miss out because for, just for time's sake. But um, I'll pick up in verse 12, uh, Romans 6, verse 12. It says here, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. In other words, if you have a feeling and it might lead to something bad, you know, think about it. <laughs> and do not, therefore, present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves, say pre- present yourselves, Present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead. In other words, saved from the destruction of sin. 
and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall no longer or not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Now there's a story in uh, the book of John, verse, um, chapter 8, and it's about the woman caught in adultery. And if you don't know the background, basically this woman is, is dragged into the presence of Jesus after being caught in the act of adultery. And they were saying, the law says that she should be stoned to death. The law says that, no, this is the righteous response to this act being carried out. So many scholars um, argue about what he's writing in the sand, but he's not really paying that much attention as they'd like. And then he just says to them, all right, but he, without sin, cast the first stone. So they all sort of looked at each other and well, this stone's kind of heavy. I've got, I left the iron on. So they all just one, one by one, they just sort of left there. And then, then Jesus says to the woman, um, where, have they, where have they gone? Where are the people that accuse you? And so they've, they've all gone. And she says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. See, the problem is sometimes we can mistake correction for condemnation. Because of Jesus' grace and his love, he can't help but correct but he does not condemn. Now, there's a difference. The, the con- condemnation is like a, it's like a stop sign. It's like a red light. You can't go any further because of this. You can't do this. You can't go any further. But correction is like you're going on this path, but you just need to change lane because that, le- that lane ends up in a wrong destination. But because of his love, because of his grace, he's not going to just let you go right into a wall and be destroyed or be hurt or be wounded. He's going to say, no, change lanes so we can get this. Change lanes so you can go into life and not death. Change lanes so you can actually come into greater life and not death or not destruction because God loves us. His grace is for us. So why would he lead us into a way that is going to harm us? Truth is, he wouldn't. Because that would be not, wouldn't be in line with his character. You see, this is what it says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. It says here, For by grace you have saved, been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. I love this bit. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand. Now, the band here have a bunch of musical instruments from the bass to the keyboard, but they only have any use if they're partnered with a musician. They only have any use if, there's, if they're subject to a master. See, I can get any guitar, but I can't make any guitar sound as good as John Mayer would make it sound. I can't, I can't, I'm not that level, okay? But with our lives, when we are, present ourselves as instruments to God, the master who created us knows our purpose, knows us from the beginning to the end, and we lend our lives to him and say, God, I am yours, then that's when our lives begin to make mastery. That's when our lives begin to take fruitfulness because we're connected to the vine, connected to the, the very source, the very creator of life. And when we do that, that's when we see the works that are before us. That's when we see the perfect will of God. That's when we see our lives being transformed into his likeness because we're his workmanship. We're not trying to um, think of ways to, to make our lives better and paint stuff in a different color. No, God makes us new because of we're his workmanship. 
like, like the potter and the clay. It's his hands that form us, shape us, guide us into, glorious, into something glorious, into something new, into something powerful. And I remember this when I, um, when I lived, when I was, wasn't living with God or anything like that. And I was in a nightclub and then God said to me, he said, it's not, this is not what I want for you. So I took it as, okay, God, this is what I'm going to do. First, I'm going to take a drink. Because <laughs> in the nightclub, you see something. <laughs> but um, he said, so I said, okay, I'm going to stop doing this, and I'm going to do more of this, and less of this, and not so much of that. Okay, maybe a little bit of that. But I was, so, but I was over this, this process of months, I was just sort of chopping and choosing, I'm going to do these things, but not those things, because I thought that was me being righteous. I thought that was me being in relationship with God. Until later in the, when it came to um, like winter time, what God was leading me to was a point of, like, <laughs> I couldn't figure out on my own. I couldn't do it on my own. I'm not my own savior. I needed something greater than me to save me. And then there's a point where I remember um, coming back from a service and I just lay in bed and I was just blanketed. It was like I was blanketed by the presence of God. And I had no idea what it was. I had no idea that God would actually meet me rather than me trying to meet him. I had no idea that it wasn't a ladder or like a pecking order. It was just him coming down for me. His presence met me. And I did not know this was possible. But I just had to let go of me and me trying to figure everything out. Me trying to be my own savior. Me trying to be the smartest person in the room and letting him do work in me. That's the difference. That's grace. That is when we stop trying, stop striving, but rather we just let God. We let God work through us. We are his workmanship. We are his righteousness because he gave us the righteousness. He gave it to us. It's a gift. Like the verse says, it's a gift from God so we shouldn't boast. Because the opposite of grace is boasting because I deserve it. So I should get it. But if it's something greater than me, and it's not limited by me or limited to me. Does that make sense? Because the grace of God is so big and so good that it's not just for me. I can talk to other people about it because, because it's so good, it's so big, and it's so awesome. I don't have to um, like, limit it to me because he'd, I'm not the only one he intends to give it to. I'm not the only one he intends to bless. I'm not the only one he intends to have life with have eternal life with and this is something that I wish it was one of these things that you just sort of oh this is what I dealt with three years ago this is what I dealt with nine nine years ago but this is something that we actively go through this is something that we actively have to come back to because there's there's this achievement which is good but then we have the wrong motives about it so then it becomes competitive it becomes striving it becomes quite wearisome because we're not using our own strength and we're not using God's strength anymore we become our own sort of judges our own sort of law keepers so to speak and I remember one time that I was going to work and I was just going through the motions and this thing was going in my head and I was really I was really struggling because it was, it was hard and I felt that, oh man, I shouldn't be going through this. This is, this is horrible. But I just came to this realization that sometimes God doesn't separate us from something that we're required to defeat. 
You see, we want to, we want to, we want to separate ourselves from it, yeah. but that's desensitization. Desensitization does not, does not defeat anything. Sometimes we have to be in the thick of it because God wants us to have dominion and not to be in defeat and retreat. God wants us to go forward and take ground. That means going through uncomfortable conversations, going in uncomfortable times, so then we, His grace can be gloried. Because the result of grace is to be gloried. Grace is the purpose. The purpose is to show God's glory. And in our lives, we can just think it's all about us. It's, the things we do is just for us. But the truth is, your life is a grace for someone else. My life is a grace for someone else. And the time is when we just want to work hard, when we want to get stuff done. And I totally understand that. You know, I'm, I'm a guy, I work and I do other things. And it's just the feeling of, you, you know, time's just short sometimes. You just, you, sometimes you just really want to go for it. But the point is, it's not about how much we work or how hard we work. It's about how we work hard. So when we manage our workloads by the grace of God, by his provision, by his heavenly provision that comes, that comes and, and meets us in the places where we're weak, because that's our God. He doesn't wouldn't put anything in our lives that, that is going to defeat us, but rather he gives us the strength to overcome all circumstances. And then in the 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul talks about this, this thorn in his side. And, he's, and he's, he doesn't give any specificity to it. He doesn't talk about it in any detail. He just says, I've been given a thorn in my flesh. I've been given this. And I asked Jesus to take it away three times. And, and he says this. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. So I will gladly boast in my weaknesses because I know his, his grace is made perfect in strength. Did I say that right? However. Um, <laughs> but... <laughs> But <laughs> I'm talking about grace. <laughs> but here's the thing. He wasn't wanting to separate that from him because there was something that was in him that he was called to have triumph over. Same way as Jesus. Jesus asked for his cup, the cup to pass from him, saying, Lord, if this is possible, take this cup away from me, but your will be done overall. The thing is, Jesus couldn't have defeated sin if he was separate from it. He had, to, he had to take it, absorb it. It had to be his so he can then release us from it. So what Paul was seeing in this, in this um, scripture was the reality of Jesus living this out. He was, he was, he was given the, the beauty of suffering the same way he did. He had a thorn where Jesus had a crown of thorns. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And I will say to you guys tonight, that God's grace is sufficient for you. It's not just sufficient. It's for all times. It's for all circumstances. It's for all seasons and times of life. If the keys come up, that would be really amazing. Thanks, Andy. Isaiah 40, verses 30 to 31. It says this. It says, Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. I love this word. It's an interjecture where it's like God is coming in and saying, this is where I take over. This is where you trust in me. This is where the atmosphere changes. This is where your life takes, takes a new threshold, takes a new direction, takes a new life. But those who wait on the Lord 
shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. God, he's, he's got us a journey to walk. He prepared beforehand works for us to do. Because come on church, this is not the end days. This is not all we see. The church goes beyond these walls. Your lives go beyond what you can see. Your lives are were greater and better and more fulfilling and more fruitful than you can see right now. And it's by His grace that you accomplish it. It's by His grace that you move forward into the next, into the new, into the future which is affirmed in the heart, which is faith. Into the future that God has got for you. But it requires His grace to get it there. It's not something we figure out on our own. It's something that God works through us. Now God... God's graces and mercies are new every day. So it doesn't matter if this day has been a restful day for you, but your tomorrow is where, where stuff really goes on, where, where the work of tomorrow has got you weighed down today. Your grace, the grace that God has afforded you, given you, is enough for tomorrow. It's enough for the, the meeting you've got on Thursday. It's, it's greater than the assignment you have due on Wednesday. It's, it's greater than, than the reduction in finances that you may see at the end of every month and bills going out and new things having to, you have to pay for coming in. It's bigger than all those things that you think are bigger than you. you now you have your job, you have your family, you have your car, your food and your kids all in this hand, but God saying His grace covers it all. His grace covers it all. If you just trust in the grace of God, you will see increase in where you think there's a decrease. You'll actually see fruitfulness where you think there's barrenness. You'll, you'll see faith when you see fear. But it's by the grace of God. I love this definition of the grace of God. It's this Greek word charis, which is where the word charity comes from. And this, I just want to read this out. This is, uh, it says here, merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence among souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of godly virtues. See, God's not going to leave you where you are. He's given you his grace, which will do everything that he wants you to do, because he's going to do it through you. He's going to do it through you. You don't have to figure out, what's the will of God for my life? No, he's just saying, you walk with him. Work with the power of God in you. Work with what he does in you, and he's going to fulfill that purpose. He's going to give you everything you need to live a holy life. He's going to give you everything you need to live a prosperous life. Tonight, is your opportunity to come back into that way of thinking where it's not all about what we can do, it's not about all we can get done, but rather what God can do through us. It's a mind shift, it's a mindset, it's letting His Spirit inhabit our lives, fill our lives, and take us to a new, po- new point where we can say how good God is. 
because our lives are glorious. This place is filled with champions who are going into their week, into their workplace, into their schools, afresh with the grace of God, which is too big for you. People are going to see it on you. People are going to see it in you because you go at things in a different way than they go at things. Because you're operating in a different strength, a new strength. Let's stand to our feet. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.